Ladies, the podcast where we talk about women from mythology and folklore all over the world. We're your hosts. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Zoe. And Lizzie, how are you today? I'm alright. It's getting cold, but I'm fine. I don't really have anything interesting to report, honestly. Gotcha. How are you? Mm -hmm. I'm alright. It's in the fun New England fall phase where the temperature climbs and drops 30 degrees per day, so I never know what to wear. Um, especially because I like don't go back to my house until like the evening. Um, so that's a bit exciting and tricky, but I'm figuring it out as I go. Um, and yeah, I'm getting into the semester. I have a paper due next week. It's all, you know, becoming very real, but I'm going to make it through. So it'll be fine. New England is gorgeous this time of year. Gotcha. This is not new information to you. Oh, New England. I thought you just said regular England. And I was like, okay. That's that's fine. I'm not in England. I know. I was like, why are you telling me this? Like, okay, I guess. Uh, no, yeah, New England is really pretty this time of year. Um, the leaves haven't really started to turn yet, though. So, like, there are a few trees that are, like, have leaves that have started to turn, but the rest of them, like, not so much. So, but yeah, hopefully they will start soon and then it'll be really pretty and I'm excited for that. So before we begin, uh, just a reminder that we have a Kofi that you can donate to. Uh, we accept one-time or recurring donations, and you get access to our bonus content, including three bonus episodes, which are all really fun and exciting to listen to. And also, you can give a donation, a recurring donation on Spotify in order to listen to our bonus episodes there as well, $5 a month. And yeah, so that is all there. If you would like to support us, we put a lot of really hard work into this podcast, so any support is very much appreciated. And yeah, so Lizzie, who are we talking about today? Today is going to be the last of our halloween themed ladies for this year Ooh. Uh-huh. so um today we are talking about maynak from thailand Ooh. okay uh do you know her name sounds familiar but i don't know much about her i bet she's a very well-known female spirit in thailand Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I knew she was a female spirit, but that's about it. Yeah, well, that's as much as you can gather from <laughs> from me saying her name and that she's from Thailand. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> Maynak means Lady Nak, and she's also called Maynak Prakanong, or Lady Nak mm-hmm. from Prakanong, which is a neighborhood in Bangkok. Oh. And she can also be called Nong Nak, which means Miss Nak. Ooh. And so she's a very well-known spirit in Thailand. Her story is really famous and is depicted in the pop culture a lot. Interesting. So I will tell you the story slash stories associated yes. with her. Please do. I'm going to tell you basically mm-hmm. a mix of the different versions that I've read with some variations. So. Cool. There once lived a woman named Nock. 
She was deeply in love with her husband, who was called Mak, and they lived together in Prakanong, which at this time was a small water-based village connected by canals. Sometimes Nak is a woman from a rich family who defied her parents when she married Mak, who was poor. Okay. When the country went to war, Mak was conscripted into the army and went to war, leaving Nak at home alone oh, no. while pregnant. While Mak was in the army, Nak died while giving birth and became the spirit oh. of a pregnant woman. Yeah, it's really sad. That's not what I expected, actually. I really? What did you expect? The husband to die. Oh, fair enough. And no. then the woman to like go mad with grief or whatever, and yeah, that know. is a typical uh, <laughs> theme that you would see. But yeah. no, so Mock returned from the army to find that the villagers had fled from the canals and left his neighborhood abandoned. Mm-hmm. The only building that remained standing was his house, which he entered to find his wife and their son. And he lived there with Nock for some time. And other than avoiding the sunlight, she seemed basically normal. Okay. But he was unable to see his former friends and neighbors. Anytime one of them came close to the house, they would die horribly, which Mak oh. didn't know was by his wife's hand. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, she <laughs> okay. basically was just killing people to hide the fact that she was dead from, oh, from Mak so okay. that he wouldn't leave her. Okay. Essentially. Uh-huh. And there are variations regarding how Mak finds out about his wife's true nature. In one... A monk approached the house, obviously fearful for his life, and told Mok that if he wanted to see the truth, he should bend down and place his head between his legs and look at the house upside down. Hmm. And when Mok did this, he saw Nock for what she really was. Interesting. And another says, this one's a bit more detailed, that trouble happened when Nock didn't accompany her husband to the county fair, which was, of course, because she couldn't go out into the sun, mm-hmm. or Mock would see that she was a decayed corpse. Mm-hmm. But Nock decided to go anyway out of jealousy. She saw a dancer trying to seduce Mock, so she oh. strangled her. Oh, yep, fair and enough. I guess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not a crime to flirt, but fair enough. Mm, oh, true, true, true. Yeah. This led to a rampage where she also killed the midwife, who she blamed for her death. And went after several other people as well. Oh, jeez. One girl escaped and asked the shaman for help. But the shaman said he couldn't do anything until the one who loved her renounced her. Mm. However, Mok was still in denial. Oh, wow. I mean, he loved his wife and he didn't want to believe that she was, you know. Yeah, a vengeful spirit. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Understandable. Yeah. He realized mm-hmm. the truth one day when Nock was cooking and dropped a lime between the slats in the floor. Which, at this time, Thai houses were, like, on stilts. Oh. And then, like, beneath the house would be, like, where the animals were. Huh. So she reached down, extending her arm, like, unnaturally long to pick up the lime. Horrifying. Yeah. And, yeah, that revealed her ghostly nature to, to Mok. Uh-huh. And, yeah, that would be very scary to see. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mok was horrified, but he still loved her and insisted mm. she could be purified. Uh-huh. And a Buddhist novice and the shaman convinced Mak to reject her, and then they captured her spirit in a pot and dropped it into the river. Which I want to say in his defense, like, I feel like he held on till the end to, like, his wife's spirit uh-huh. until he realized that, like, she doesn't belong in the living world anymore. Like, he wasn't, I feel like he wasn't disloyal to her. Yeah. Yeah. As much as he could be, he was loyal to her, but, like, that's kind of an unwinnable situation. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he's just, he really loved his wife, and he didn't want to accept the fact that she died. Yeah. Um, 
is sort of what I'm getting out of this. And Yeah, exactly. But, like, he also probably knows, this is kind of reading into it a bit, but I think he also knows that, like, she she can't be helped in this state, and mm-hmm. she won't be able to, like, go into the next life until mm-hmm. her spirit is, whatever, cleansed, banished. Mm-hmm. And there are also some other variations, including some that feature the famous Thai monk Somde To, who took her forehead bone and turned it into a magic amulet. Cool. Um, which, as I understand it, has something to do with getting her soul to like be able to be reincarnated. I don't know exactly, but hmm. that magic amulet is said to be in possession of the Thai royal family. Cool. Cool detail. I have not seen anything more. I saw that detail a bunch of times, but I couldn't really find anything more about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. One of those things, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's cool. Mm-hmm. I love it's the idea cool. that a poor woman her forehead bone is like an amulet that the royal family possesses it's it like, just seems like something a royal family would have is like the yeah right magic amulet from like a dangerous yeah. spirit or something you know yeah <laughs> and there's also a variation that says that an elderly couple moved into the house and found the pot containing her spirit and accidentally released it ah uh, classic and another with a story of two fishermen who found the pot and released her spirit obviously they have to like get it back mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. that causes havoc Mm-hmm. And there's surely also other variations. Yeah. I mean, it's very it's very right with, like, ways you can put your own take on it, right? Like Definitely. You write your own story about people who discover the spirit and, like, what happens to them when, it, when that happens. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. I think there's actually, like, a film adaptation that's, like, Maynock goes to Japan. Like, there's so many things <laughs> you can do with her after yeah. she goes into the pot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so what are your thoughts so far? Yeah, I mean, well, I think it's an interesting story. And again, like I said, it just sounds like a story about grief to me in a lot of ways. You know, like um, her husband returns from war and finds out that his wife has passed away when he's been away and wasn't there for her and isn't able to accept the fact that she died and let go of his like the memory of his wife and move on and sort of like the tragic effects of that. And that's just sort of what it seems to be about to me is my interpretation yeah, no. Like, I mean, a lot of ghost stories are about grief, mm-hmm. I feel like. Absolutely, um, yeah. Like, at the heart of this story is the love that a husband and wife have for each other, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think that's sort of how we see it in um, her actions as well, is that she loves him, but also their relationship is really holding him back in ways from, like, yeah. moving on and having his own life. Like, he can't be with his friends anymore. He can't, like, find a new love yeah. because he's still, like, stuck with his wife who is who is passed on. And it's very interesting. And in a sense, it holds her back because she is unable to leave yeah, and unable to depart from the world because yeah, or become she just reincarnated really wants to her husband. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. It's a very interesting story, and I like it. Yeah, I agree, and I I think it's interesting that like you think you know where her story is going to go, like she's going to start murdering people, which I guess she did, but she really isn't like vengeful. She's more like protective. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't want to kill people for the sake of bloodlust, but more mm-hmm. just to protect her own sort of interests with her with her marriage and with her husband. Like her motives are overall good and understandable. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so there's a shrine dedicated to her in Wat Mahabut, a temple in Prakanong. Mm. And people leave her offerings and pray for protection and fortune. Okay. Frequent visitors to her shrine include men seeking to avoid the draft, pregnant women seeking good luck in childbirth, and people wishing to win the lottery. 
Those are all very interesting, like, people who go to ask her for her help. Yeah, like, it seems like kind of a, a mixed uh, variety of people, but, like, mm-hmm. I mean, you can see kind of the similarities of, like, people who are scared of misfortune, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, there does seem to be, like, a kind of low-key anti-war, anti-draft yeah, yeah, kind of thing going mm-hmm. on here. So, I mean, I think it makes sense for people to go to her to avoid the draft. She's, I'm sure, against it because she lost her husband that way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so Minak's legend has become part of the cultural heritage of Prakanong, and the people of Prakanong embrace her legend at her shrine. Mm-hmm. In 1997, a change in municipal boundaries placed the shrine in the neighboring Suanluang district. No. I know, which, I mean, her name is Minak Prakanong. Like, yeah. She shouldn't be in another district. I mean, it's in her name. Like, it's clear where yeah. she's from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that obviously upset the people of Prakanong. People have been lobbying since then to change the boundaries back so that Maynock's shrine is once again in Prakanong. Wow. But so far, it's been unsuccessful. Apparently, the city council don't want to change the boundaries back because they think the requests are a hidden ploy for gerrymandering because it would transfer about 20,000 people back to Prakanong and, like, so political stuff, etc. But... Mm, don't know anything about that to have. I mean I mean yeah I was <laughs> I wasn't going into detail just like there's political reasons yeah. mm-hmm. that they're not like yeah I mean well as soon as you have a figure that's heavily associated with a city or a part of a city or a country like th- it can become political very very quickly yeah so yeah I mean like the place where her shrine is, is like the place where she's said to be buried, so it can't exactly be like moved across the border. Like it, mm-hmm. what, it, it is in Prakanong, which is like a technicality, but it's technically not in Prakanong anymore. Yeah, which is a shame. Yeah, but... it's just, I guess it's just an odd situation. I don't know. Yeah, but it's sad that people are really wanting the boundaries to be changed back mm-hmm. for this reason. But yeah, it's been unsuccessful. It's been like twenty five years. That's crazy. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, political stuff, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Andrew Allen Johnson talks about Maynock's devotees in his article, Ghost Mothers, Kinship Relations, and Thai Spirit Cults. And he discusses why devotees might align themselves with violent ghosts, you know, as opposed to like, yeah, a, yeah. sort of quote proper religious figure or like religious anything. Like what, do you, does that make you think of anything? Or like, why do you think it would be? Well, I mean, they're asking her for protection, right? So, like, yeah. if she's killed people, she protects people. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it makes me think of Santa Muerte, if that's what you're Yeah, exactly, like, exactly. It kind yeah, of there's the sort of, of like, well. question of, like, the line between who is a proper religious figure and who is, like, a bunch of people, like, doing weird things and we're kind of, like, frowning on them for, like, asking this specific figure for protection or whatever. Yeah. You know? And, like, yeah. who gets to decide, like what is proper religion and what's just like a weird cult and the implications and power behind that. Yeah, exactly. Like what the benefits are to one way or the other way for mm-hmm. the devotee. Yeah. Um, so Johnson discusses the fact that spirits such as Maynock can offer solutions that religion may not. For example, mm-hmm. if someone had an issue with unrequited love, mm-hmm. a Buddhist monk might suggest accepting the state of affairs and letting go of attachment Mm-hmm. Or a spirit might be able to intercede and take action. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, sometimes you don't want, like, wisdom and growth. Sometimes you want action. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sometimes you just want... You don't want to be told to be the better person. You just want to, like... Yeah. Actually have something to be done about how you're feeling. 
Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, so like you were kind of talking about, like it reminded me of the difference between major religion and folk religion. Mm-hmm. And folk religious figures are closer to the people. They seem less distant, mm-hmm. you know, physically, spiritually, like geographically. Mm-hmm. Um, they often begin as common people themselves until they're immortalized in legend and they're also often tied to a specific place yeah that also reminded me of uh, santa muerte because um yeah she's tied to like uh, i remember she there's like a specific place but like obviously um this lady has a very specific place that you know she's connected with as we've discussed because it's like literally yeah. in her name exactly or like la difunto correa um yeah is exactly like, and she there's was a very specific to... place that she was um connected with that's just yeah. a lot closer to people than like oh you know like mary she's from the bible yeah, she's close to the common people she doesn't seem so far away yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly and yeah maynock's story may be violent and scary but she can also potentially offer some comfort to people who can relate to her story or who feel marginalized in another way and it's also worth noting that folk religious figures are often worshipped by and beloved by working class people mm-hmm. you know villagers yeah. mm-hmm. and maynock is no different most of her practitioners are from a working class or like a village background. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, and a quote about her shrine from Andrew Allen Johnson from the article. It became a site not to enact vengeance, but to build a new structure of social relations. One that incorporated the wild, bringing the omnipresent specter of death into the household. So it's like we were talking about in the Santa Muerte episode. Like mm-hmm. you want to be close to death, even if perhaps to some people that would seem kind of counterintuitive in like a mm-hmm. religious way. Yeah. Or like that it would seem dark, but it does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it also like, you know, I think it really shows that like you can see her as like, oh, the scary vengeful spirit. But like, really, that's not how people see her. They see her as someone who had a lot of love for someone and was trying to like protect someone or was like yeah acting in the way that she thought right and they're not like condemning her for her actions they respect her for and her actions like she's not viewed in a negative and again they respect her story Mm -hmm. yeah like there's a sense to which she can be seen and her story can be seen as like you know like like a martyr scary lady yeah oh oh sorry we're thinking of different different directions the different directions (laughs) yeah But yeah, no, as a mother, Yeah, like if you sure. have a similar struggle and you can see yourself or you can see sort of the tragedy and like the mm-hmm. love in her story, then you will you will see her as a, like a folk religious figure. Like she's, she had a horrible story, but now she's this spirit who can help mm-hmm. people potentially. Yeah, I mean, I think like when you look at at her story what you're seeing is very much a devoted wife and a person who is very devoted to someone and like taking care of someone and like it gets sort of twisted and messed up in a way and that's I think sort of because possibly because of the idea of like you know you're not supposed to stay here after you die you know you're supposed to move exactly. on you're supposed to like be reincarnated or ascend to some sort of higher level or whatever your the yeah. beliefs are um, but it's not necessarily like she's not acting in a way that's messed up because of personal failings it's because of like just the nature of things yeah and like yeah there are aspects of her that are like scary and you can like fear her but it's more of like a fear that comes out of respect than a fear that comes out of like oh she she'll like get your kids if you don't behave sort of yeah yeah like her story is scary and like it is told to people in like a scary story kind of way but not everyone sees her like that Mm -hmm. like um in the article that i quoted there was um they 
the author interviewed some people who go to her shrine and someone and there are mm-hmm. people who view her in like a familial sense like there was a mm-hmm. man who, who referred to her as grandmother mm. like there's yeah these really really close relations with her devotees which is yeah. really nice and like that is the beauty of folk religion yeah yeah you with know? folk religion you can really see the person that you're or the the figure that you're um worshiping as a close relation like your grandmother or something like that. yeah like 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 an ancestor spirit in mm-hmm. a sense in mm-hmm. some ways you know yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so Maynock is a victim of uncontrollable forces, namely the military draft and the dangers of childbirth, mm-hmm. and this is something her devotees can relate to. Mm-hmm. They come in hopes that Maynock can help them with events that can become dangerous, such as childbirth and the draft, among other things, which can signify an acceptance of the unknown and its death, and similar to worshipping a deity of death, like we talked about, Santa Muerte. Um, and it may seem grim, but death is a part of life, so it's better to make friends with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, like, I mean, as we've talked about many times before, the idea of, like, death being this really scary end is, like, very much rooted in sort of, like, Western Christian ideology. And then there are a lot of cultures around the world and a lot of, like, religious beliefs around the and spiritual beliefs around the world that sort of just view death as something that happens and not necessarily, like, something to dread or to prepare for or to, like, worry about all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like in the Christian view, it's like the judgment day. Like you mm-hmm. don't want to die, but like. You don't want to die before you're ready. It's all it's all, it's all, all leading up to that moment. Yeah. You have to be ready when you die or else like you'll go to hell, you know? Yeah. But like, it's not necessarily that big of a deal. But yeah, in other religions, it's like, well, someday you die because, you know, you can't live forever. Your is. body's going to yeah. give out. Like, you know, maybe you'll have an accident, but like, that's just life. Yeah. And it's not as big a deal as, like, in other places. And that's just, that's also an incredibly valid and, like, logical belief. Yeah. um, That so many places have. Yeah. And um, so some have suggested that the legend of Maynock is based on an actual person. That makes sense. (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) So the historian Anek Nawikamul claims that the real Maynock was a woman called Amdengnak. Amdeng means miss. It's an archaic term for unmarried woman. Interesting. Who was the daughter of a dignitary and was married to a man named Chum. So not Mak, but... And Amdeng Nak died during childbirth, but she also had an older son. Oh. And the son evidently did not want his father to remarry, so he made up a story about his mother's ghost and threw rocks at passing boats and dressed up like her to scare people. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, so that is a story, and it's based on a newspaper article from 1899. Okay. It's not proven. It can't really be proven or disproven, but that's yeah. that's the leading yeah. theory of her actual origins. Well, that's a relatively recent origin, if that's, like, the origin of theory that we're choosing to accept. Yeah, so the story, the story itself takes place in the 1800s. Like, definitely, for sure. Like, I saw in a bunch of different articles ranging from the reign of King Rama III to the reign of King Rama V, which Mm -hmm. I think is the range of, like, the 1830s to the 1860s, roughly. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's only two numbers, so it's not that. I mean, it's a couple of decades. Yeah, but it's all in the 1800s is the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So it is, like... As some legends go, like, relatively recent, which is interesting. Yeah. So, like, there is there is historical basis, like, specifically somewhere in that time. I don't know why such such, such a variation. It's either King Robert the Third, the Fourth, or the Fifth. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know which one it was, but that's all. I mean, it was sequential anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and an important feature of Maynock's story involves her love for her husband, as we said. Mm-hmm. And even after death, she wishes to be Mock's perfect companion and to be with him in whatever way possible. And her love for Mock is so powerful that it compels her to stay around even after death. And it causes her to wreak havoc upon society. Mm-hmm. And her story can be seen as embodying the contradictions imposed upon women. In -hmm. many ways, she's the ideal wife, but she's also fearsome. Mm -hmm. Quote from the author Ka Wong. After she dies, Nangnak metamorphoses herself from feeble victim to a fearful demon in order to hold on to her husband. Hence, love seems to have a dual nature. Or is it men who hold a dubious standard towards women? Ooh, interesting. Great quote. Great question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting, right? Because like I said before, it is kind of just like a story of an incredibly devoted wife. But then there's also this sort of like perversion of like the roles of why of like the wife that's happening in the story of like attacking the woman that she perceives as flirting with her husband. Um, Mm -hmm. her like killing her husband's friends and it's like wait stop that's not what a wife is supposed to do but it's also like you can interpret it as like wifely duties in a way and it's interesting yeah sort of like this inter and sort of like interrogation yeah definitely and like in many ways she is absolutely the ideal wife like she's so devoted to her husband she loves him she wants to like cook and tend house for him Mm -hmm. you know she doesn't want to leave him even after she dies yeah yeah and like in a way not to be that person but like if the gender roles were reversed and she was the husband and like she was killing (laughs) the wife's friends or like attacking the man that like was flirting with the wife like those especially like the second one are generally more societally acceptable which is also an interesting question but yeah like people definitely want like people but like specifically wives to like be like so loyal to their husbands Mm -hmm. and like she is she's extremely loyal. yeah she is it's like here is loyalty and then they're like wait no but stop taken to the extreme yeah it's like (laughs) but this isn't this what you wanted like is a wife that was completely dedicated to you you know yeah an I mean, Mock isn't really to blame here. I feel like he's he loves his wife even yeah, when no. she is killing people. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, like, he's. I mean, I think he's like, oh well, must not have been her. There's just other things happening. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, I no, I don't think he's to blame either. Um, I think it's you know just like a question of like how people would react to the story of like, oh my gosh, like this guy's crazy, you know, like yeah. Yeah, oh my gosh, like, like I couldn't imagine having to, like, a wife like her. that. And it's like, well, isn't this the wife that that women are supposed to be, that men are supposed to want, you know, like, but like put to an extreme. Yeah, and it was just like a caricature of this, like, expectation. Which is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and her story can be interpreted as representing the unfair expectations placed on women. Mm-hmm. They affect not only women who do not fulfill the standards expected of them, but also women who do. Like, Mm -hmm. as we were saying, she is absolutely, in some ways, the perfect wife. But underneath her love and devotion, she is an evil monster who destroys everything around her, as well as the man she loves, in a sense. Mm -hmm. And this disadvantages not only men, who might fear that their wife isn't what she seems, but also women, who do everything expected of them and still find that it isn't enough. Mm -hmm. Even when they follow the role expected of them, and even when they're perfect wives and mothers, they're not guaranteed security or happiness. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that can kind of underlie her story. 
you know. And she becomes like an exaggerated version of her former self, of like mm-hmm. a perfect wife. She wishes nothing more than to hold on to her husband, please him, and prevent him from finding out the truth because she knows it won't end well. And she's the ideal devoted wife, but she's still monstrous and feared and has to be kind of defeated in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like in another sense, she's not exactly defeated as much as like pushed to the next life. Yeah, which but, is, like, positive in the end, kind of. Yeah, but, like, I feel like it kind of depends, because, like, some people in the story are, like, no, she's scary, she has to be gone. But mm-hmm. in another sense, like, I mean, it is good for her spirit to be pushed to the next life. Yeah. It's not necessarily bad, but mm-hmm. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And more to this point, her love for Monk isn't just what motivates her to stay with him after her death. It's literally, like, what keeps her spirit on Earth. Like, that's... Mm-hmm. It's her unfinished really, business, quote-unquote. Yeah, like that's... We could say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And her love for Muck is so strong that her spirit survives, which is sort of tragic seeing as her motivations were very pure, but she still mm-hmm. doesn't get a happy ending. Yeah, I mean, like, I think, you know, you could see it as a sort of interpretation of women's roles. You can see it as, like, the idea of a wife's duties being pushed to the extreme, or you can, like, also just see it as, like, like I said before, like, a, just a lesson about how wanting to stay for your the person you love even after death even though it's understandable it's just not the nature of things it's just not how like yeah. how things are supposed to go and no matter like what you yeah. want to accomplish it's gonna twist twist you and like make you do things that are ultimately horrendous and bad even if that's not what you originally intended and that's why yeah. you have to move on yeah and in some sense for both mock and knock they're both like, both like trying desperately to hold on to Mm-hmm. like to their marriage and like their old life but it's yeah. just not possible after mm-hmm. one of them has died yeah you know it's just not how it's just not how life works i mean which is like a very powerful love story right it's like orpheus yeah. going to rescue eurydice mm-hmm. from the underworld you know like, yeah and i mean like <laughs> if orpheus hadn't turned around like and he had brought eurydice up to the under like from the underworld like would it have worked out like <laughs> would she have been the same like, it's yeah. the nature of the story to not work out. Like, even though love is strong, it can't, mm-hmm. you know, it's not yeah. stronger than death. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> and yeah, like, her story is also interesting. I mean, she also goes against, like, she, okay, like, she goes against the roles of women, etc. But also against sort of these structures of, like, societal structures, like, the draft. Like, it is a very <laughs> anti-draft story, which is interesting. It is definitely interesting. She's like the antithesis of like these societal structures that like are in place that cannot be avoided. And she has these these things that she um, goes up against that is ultimately unsuccessful. There's the draft. There's dying mm-hmm. during childbirth. There's like the roles that are expected of women that like even though she fulfills them, she still fails in the end. Yeah, I mean, she also just represents, like, a lot of challenges that I think a lot of everyday people would face at the time. Like, there's the fear that your husband's going to be taken away from you by the draft and, like, have to go to war. There's the fear that you'll die in childbirth because it's dangerous. You might not have access to the best medical care. And then there's, you know, the experience of, like, probably a lot of women that there's not much you have control over in this world. Um, yeah because that's just the way things are set up and so i think that's another way that like people would i really identify with her story is like yeah this could very easily happen to me like my husband could get drafted i could get pregnant and die in childbirth while he's gone and then Mm -hmm. like where would we be you know yeah like if if she had died in childbirth while he was there like the story would probably be very different 
Yeah. I mean, it would or still she be wouldn't sad, have died. but, like... I mean, yeah. It wouldn't be like, oh, I died when my husband was away. Maybe his presence would magically make everything okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, like, waiting for him to get back, or instead it might just be, like... I mean, it might still be similar, but... There, there's Well, the thing is, though, that's not what the story is, and there's the reason why the story is the way it is. Yeah, definitely. Like, the story is includes the draft for a reason, and the reason is yeah. to be like, this is an issue, this is something that we experience and is a problem and yeah, makes our lives harder and is scary, you know? Yeah, Mock didn't want to leave his pregnant wife alone to just, like, die by herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the reason why the story has the draft isn't, like, because... Just circumstantial. Like, he could have gone on to war voluntarily. Yeah. It has, the, it has the draft because the story wants to talk about the draft. Yeah. You know. Yeah, things are usually not coincidences, especially in stories that are not very detailed, you know? Yeah, like, regardless of, like, um, the origins of the story, like, the truth, the legendary, the way that it's passed down is generally because of a specific specific ideas and specific things that people want to emphasize yeah definitely yeah and like she didn't just die in any way it was during childbirth which i feel like is tied to this sort of married life that also gets interrupted Mm -hmm. by the draft like it's all connected yeah yeah and she also gets like like her life gets cut short in general but also she doesn't get to give birth to her her child either yeah she doesn't get to live with her husband and her child and like have that sort of happy married existence yeah and i feel like horror stories in general often exaggerate or like expand on fears that people do have right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean that this story is no different like it's not just to be scary it is like a tragedy in Mm -hmm. the story about love and it all i was like somewhat it's like a bit different but i'm like somewhat reminded of bluebeard of like the sense that the story has like an aspect of the thing that you fear is like really at home but you just don't know about it Mm. and like yeah yeah, for like, sure. Like, picture Mock, like, everyone around him is dying. He does not know why, but then he finds out it's his wife who's doing yeah. it. Like, that is that is scary in, like, a sense of, like... Yeah, I mean, like, the moment when she reaches her arm down to get the lime and he just realizes yeah. that it, she's moving in a way that no human should be able to move. Like, yeah, it's an absolutely horrifying concept. It's, like, someone that you thought you've, like, known is something, like, yeah. horrifying. Like, you want to feel secure at your home. <laughs> Yeah. And and yeah, and with your wife or with your husband. And so that's mm-hmm. also another kind of aspect of why the story is scary. Because like imagine mm-hmm. being mock and that happens. You would be really scared. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that he doesn't immediately reject her is like a testament to how much he loves her because he must have been horrified. Yeah. So as you can probably imagine, Maynock's story has been adapted dozens of times in mm-hmm. a lot of different mediums, TV, radio, movies plays, comic books, etc. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's a lot of different film adaptations, obviously, but there's a few that are really famous. A notable adaptation of her story is a 1990 film, Nong Nok, which was unique in its time in that it showed Nok's story in a sympathetic light. And it was also a massive commercial success and was at this time the highest grossing Thai film ever. Wow. Huge deal in Thai cinema. Yeah. And the current highest grossing Thai film of all time is another Maynock adaptation. Whoa. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. It goes, like, it really shows you how big the story is in Thailand. Yeah. It's the comedy horror film from 2013 called P-Mock, which mm. is notable for being from Mock's perspective rather than Knox, and as well as for changing the ending of their story, which 
spoiler, but Mock decides to accept his wife's supernatural qualities and they continue to live happily. Wait, I love like that. She, That's so fun. Right? Isn't that awesome? Oh like she she just uses her like weird arm extension stuff for doing chores and they like live in their little house. Like That's, That's amazing. awesome. I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it is still in June in 2022 the highest grossing Thai film of all time. So It's really great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's only 9 years old, but Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, it seems pretty pretty cool. Yeah. So I will end the episode with a quote from an article that I read, which is, Maynock and Company, The Shifting Duality and Female Representation on the Contemporary Thai Stage by Catherine Diamond. Ooh. She implicates the whole society as the cause of her misery. From the military who takes away her husband, women who try to seduce him, the midwife who kills her, to the monk who captures her. She rages not only against her fate, but also man-made structures, and is able to fight back, fulfilling female fantasies of revenge. The evocative power of her ghost is eternal. She rises again and again in different media, in different configurations, because she's deeply rooted in the communal imagination, inspiring both fear and awe, and finally, pity. Yeah. I feel like it really highlights how, how interesting her story is, and I mean, for me, I feel like at it, it, the beginning, when you learn about like a vengeful spirit... Yeah. You think you know how it's going to go, but hers is a it's pretty unique. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of what I've seen about her is like, oh, the scary like vengeful female spirit of like a pregnant woman who died in childbirth and I'm like, oh, I mean, that sounds really cool, but this is like, you know, different from what I expected. I you know, I it would sort of think of like the Pantiana who like yeah, yeah, attacks exactly. like pregnant women and like their children and stuff. And this is and I mean, that's not what she does. She's not really vengeful in that way. Like she's not no, she had, took her revenge vengeful. when, she, like, in the story, like the things that she, the yeah. sort of quote unquote vengeful things she did in the story. But she's not like still here doing vengeful things. She's like done, and yeah. now like people ask her for help. Um, and so yeah. it's like a whole. It's a completely different vibe. Like, yeah, like her, she really doesn't come across as evil at all in the yeah. story. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, oh, dear, don't do that. Um, But it's also like, you know, she's become this thing. But then at the end, like, she's vanquished or she's, like, trapped in this pot. And like I said, I mean, that creates a great, I mean, it's sort of like Jumanji kind of like, you know, people just keep (laughs) discovering the game and, like, getting trapped in it. You know, it's like you can keep discovering the pot and letting her out. And then now you have this whole plot of, like, what's going to happen now? Like, what are, how does the story go? How is it like different? Like what what is going to happen? And so you know, there's just so many great opportunities for stories in like media, plays, books, movies, etc. But like also, she, you know, she's not like a threat. Yeah. Like I said, she's not like you wouldn't be like scared in your bed at night being like, oh, my God, she's going to come. Yeah. Get me. Like you're not telling children, oh, you better watch out or she's going to get you. Or maybe you like are because that's just the nature of like stories like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, but like. She's less like that, like a boogie woman character, and more of just like this woman who. Um, she's like a tragic figure, things, but also like that's not her. She's not prowling the streets at night, you know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we. I mean, we are often sympathetic to like scary women, but like you don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have to look very hard to be sympathetic to her. Like mm-hmm. I think it's really easy to be sympathetic to her because her story does inspire sympathy. Yeah, and it's, like, also clear that we're not the only ones who feel that way because there are people who are, like, making her offerings and asking her for help, and it's not uncommon at all. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really talk about it, but, like, to be clear, I think there are also misogynistic interpretations of her story, but there's also Mm. kind of, like, feminist reclaimed type of visions of it as well. I mean, with any female spirit, you're going to have people 
who are negative about it, who are misogynistic mm-hmm. about it. Like, this is going to happen. It's fine. But <laughs> I mean, it's not it's, fine. <laughs> but yeah, it's clear. Like, it's, it's not, not like it happens. Yeah. It make it is not surprising to me that people are gross about it. Yeah. And it's not also not surprising to me that people are like making feminists re- like reclaiming her. Um, yeah, I read a bit that like there's actually a movement through like theater specifically because theater is like a kind of I don't know about female dominated, but like it's a female heavy cool because it's well because it's kind of seen as less um, art, you of know, course. than like movies. And so the mm-hmm. men started in theater, but then went to movies, and then there was more space for the women in theater. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, maybe you would find that article interesting because it's, it's. I would I mean, find that article th- very interesting, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's up to you. Yeah, um, which is which is cool. I mean, the mm-hmm. idea of like theater being run by women and yeah, um, that's awesome. Love to see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, happy Halloween, everyone. I hope you all have a great holiday. Are very safe. Celebrate. Have fun. Um, If you don't celebrate Halloween, I hope you have a good rest of the month. Um, We'll be back here again in November. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, thank you for listening. Um, Please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, tell all your friends. And yeah, see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Mythaladies podcast is produced by Elizabeth LaCroix and Zoe Kenninger. Today's episode was researched and presented by Elizabeth LaCroix. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Mythaladies and visit us on our website at mythaladies.com. Our cover art is by Helena Caillot. Our music was written and performed by Icarus Tyree. Thanks for listening. See you next week.